Transhumanism is a philosophical movement that advocates for the transformation of the human condition by developing and making widely available sophisticated technologies to greatly enhance human intellect and physiology. What do you think? What do we think? Listen to find out more. I'm joined today by David Olney. Thank you for joining me from your personal studio at home. Great to be here, even though I wish here was there and there was here and that we were actually <laughs> in the real studio together. Well, not far, it seems, as we're lifting restrictions. And we're also joined with Peter Thompson. Thank you for joining us. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Excellent, gentlemen. Well, you've picked a topic that I'm not familiar with uh, much at all. Uh, transhumanism. Something I had to look up and something that I still feel as if more will, will be revealed as we talk about it. However, my, my basic understanding is from David's recommendation, which was Altered Carbon, which I obviously didn't get to binge watch all the way through because I've only known about it for about 24 hours. <laughs> and, and believe you it or want not... to be Kovach? <laughs> I'm undecided. And perhaps you, maybe, this is a, maybe this is a way we can come to such a decision. But <laughs> is that how you, how you both uh, have found interest in this topic or...? Oh, look, I mean, I suppose I've always been interested in it. I'm more of a, a bit of a geeky guy. I'm a bit of a gamer. And so it's always been in the science fiction that I've consumed for a while. I suppose the, the pivotal one is, is Neuromancer. Um, um, the, um, uh, the, the world that spawned the Matrix, really, was the, was the original, um, where people kind of left the shells of their bodies behind and started to explore a new world through this cool new thing called the internet. In my sort of introduction to it was different in that even as a little kid, I'm like, hmm, one day they'll be able to make some sort of eyeball replacement. And then I won't be, you know, just human anymore. I'll be human plus an add-on. And then it was like, hmm, what else could get enhanced? And then as a little kid, you see an episode of the $6 million man and you go, Hmm, that's stupid. He's got amazing legs, but a human spine, which means when he lifts up that car, his spine will crunch. So I was the weird little kid who wouldn't suspend belief. But then <laughs> the pivot point for me was when the first Terminator movie came out. Cool. And I thought, okay, all this technology wrapped in flesh to look human. So as long as you learn to behave appropriately, you've now got the proper physical package to do anything a more robust system for your memory for cognition what if you could be uploaded literally as you into something like that where every piece is replaceable and your consciousness rides in this more advanced combination so i liked the idea very early on and then i've always thought about the question of okay what's the preferred choice modification to self to be enhanced or moving consciousness to an enhanced, but you know, produced body and technical system. So maybe that's a good place to start. You know, Tim, if you haven't sort of thought about this much at all, what do you think you'd rather do? Would you rather have you know, enhanced bits put into you to make you infinitely more capable of whatever you wanted to do? Or would you rather have your consciousness put in into an entirely synthetic system that just gives you all the advantages of not being bound by flesh that can decay. 
See, it's this discussion is just more nuanced, let's say, than I had thought about before. So the ideas of AI and cerebral upload or whatever you want to want to call it. I'm not I'm not sure if that's a real term. I just I had come across vaguely in my philosophy studies. However, not quite to the variability and nuance that I guess we're discussing about now, which is that you you can have slight upgrades and you can have a lot more synergy, let's say, between the technology and and what is human. And so it's I'm undecided because I guess I haven't thought about it too much, but I'm un, I'm undecided because the options both seem very tantalizing. I'm a bit of a an embodied mind person, so I, I, I tend to think that part of what makes me me is my body. And so is being in you. Exactly. It's always been you. There's a groundedness in the embodied and embedded argument. Yeah. Yes. So uploading my consciousness to something else doesn't attract me as much as upgrading my own body. And I had thought about this in, in a somewhat similar way to you, David, in, in the sense that since I was 16, I've been really fascinated with this idea of um, implanting a magnet into my pinky finger. Um, this is a somewhat strange but semi-common body modification that allows you to actually feel electromagnetic fields. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really strange. So you can kind of sense power and things like that that, that, that that's around and, and, and you almost gain a sixth sense in some sense uh, you, there are all, all kinds of problems that have stopped me from doing that uh, more often than not they tend to um, grow out of your skin uh, yeah, after about two years and also there's a bit of a danger where people have had them where they've just been ripped out of their bodies effectively so yeah, you wouldn't go on an mri or to just get pulled straight out exactly i mean it's the same with prison tattoos and and things like that where the, the heavy metals that are used in inks yep. can actually be pulled out of your skin that's crazy oh. so if you go into an mri yeah yeah uh, a lot of body modifications tend to have that exact problem yeah so i haven't gone through with that but it's always been something i've been fascinated by so upgrading my body seems really cool i'm not sure to what extent that i would do it though since let's say my modern political awakening for lack of a better term i i'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist in many ways but i i guess i would be worried if i had you know chips and things in my body that could track me and you know i don't have much of a sense of privacy normally but when my body itself is a trackable like remotely accessible and accessible thing that makes me uncomfortable yeah Yeah. you don't want them to put the kill switch in that's right I get what you mean, because when we're talking about augmenting our bodies it's and our minds, the most terrifying thing is that there would be some malicious programming in there mm. of some mm. description. I mean, I think it's kind of funny because our programming is already pretty malicious, like Darwinian natural selection. <laughs> has yeah, the unconscious a- doesn't really decide to be kind to us. It goes, chocolate, waste <laughs> time. <laughs> chocolate kill them all then the chocolate will be yours yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah i mean it's so really real. yeah this sort of biological coding has not ended in the most friendly of ways yeah you know so it's not like technology bad biology good necessarily mm. but yeah i mean it's like the most worrying especially the immediate stuff like uh you could be sent an invoice for your lungs from the tech company and they'll be like they're gonna shut down your lungs before closing on your spleen 
And you're like, oh, I can't afford it. I could pay, take out more credit cards. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. But what's even more terrifying is imagining what might be done to your mind. If we're imagining that our uh, cognitive processes are assisted by algorithms or some kind of process, what are the biases built into the processes that will be doing our subconscious thinking for us in some kind mm. of combined neuro neurological system? Like that is utterly terrifying because it would, these biases and, and whatever potentially malicious stuff would be written into our perception of reality itself when we've, if we interface with a system like this. I know that sounds really grim. I'm really excited for it. I kind of want to yeah, put I'm up my hand. I'm excited for it to work like you. Yeah. And those kind of things of, see, this is a bit that baffles me. Why does everyone think about when AI becomes, you know, autonomous and self-aware? In reality, we're going to stuff this stuff in us long before any AI becomes aware yeah, outside absolutely. of us. Yeah. Yeah. If we've got the ability to get it, you know, get technology inside of us to push us further, why do we care what the AI does? You know, that will be secondary, in my opinion, to enhancement because all the tools we create already just keep enhancing us. We are essentially, that's the big thing about our evolution. At a certain point, you can't push your body faster, so you make tools that your, you know, your inadequate body can use. You know, we can't lift up 10,000 kilos, so we build you know, a crane. We can't go fast enough, so we build a car. My only problem with that is that the tech industry tends to have very short life cycles before it becomes superseded and obsolete. Mm. And you would need some kinds of fail safes or really strong regulation to kind of stop Gattaca. You need mm. to stop like some kind of a technological Gattaca where like that, you know, there are these kind of unaltered slums of people who, who who can't afford to upgrade let's say or upload or, or whatever it is but a shoot off from that is that you know we already have body image problems imagine if the latest ios brain whatever it is uh, ios or augmented body release came out and you know we couldn't necessarily afford to get it then or you're on some kind of two-year contract and you know they come out every year like phones do, yeah. we'd have all, like body image problems that were caused by technology, which is just a really strange thing to think about. But. I mean, we already we already do. It's called Instagram, mm. but um, yeah, yeah. But I yeah. mean, it, but no, I, I'm just taking a piss. <laughs> but no, I mean, I suppose it would depend partly on what this type of expansion of consciousness does for us. Does it make us recognize that? we are all the universe experiencing itself subjectively and we should move on a course to uplift all sentient beings in the universe? Or is it going to make us take some hardcore Nietzsche via Adolf Hitler-esque root of supremacy and and uh, whatever? I, well, even if it's Nietzsche via Nietzsche, yeah, yeah, you sure. through yeah. pressure on self right. to perfect the self. How many different ways could people perceive or conceive of perfecting themselves, of pushing themselves to the limits? So it seems the perfect path for the tech industry to actually support people's desire to keep pushing. Mm. So rather than having to try and sell me augmented body 3.0, why wouldn't I just be going, well, I want it because this one can't do enough because mm. I've already hit its limits. You know, I, I've already done my three hours a day of training to take my 
you know, modified skeleton and augmented muscles to the next level where I can't get them to lift or move anymore or work any faster. Mm. What's the next level augmentation? So it seems to me that this is a path where at one extreme, there will be people who just want to push who and what they are to the limits at the other end, there will be sort of prosthesis and medical devices for enhancing quality of life, but not altering the whole person. And then just about every variation in the middle. And I suppose, you know, we're ignoring the fact that we're going with the technology, all technology is potentially going to get more advanced. You know, some authors who talk about this stuff are talking about the technium, the idea that we're going to end up literally with a biome of technology where it interacts with each other like a full biological system. Yeah. And then by going transhuman, we can either be in the biological biome or in the technical technium and be going in a sense between the two or be in both simultaneously. So are we defined situationally like we are now. Are we still embodied and embedded, but suddenly we're embodied and embedded in two worlds, the biological that shaped us and the technical that allows us to imagine how we want to extend ourselves. So good. So good. Let's bring it on. Let's live forever. Woo! <laughs> Team human race. This is that, great. That gets to one of those big questions. Is this just a thing for sort of messed up nerds who are afraid to die? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take two. No, but it's, um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating. And I, if this stuff goes, ends up going well and doesn't destroy us and cause terrible agony and whatever people are going to really romanticize this age they're thinking oh boy imagine being back one of the last generations of people to have to <laughs> amuse themselves by poisoning themselves with alcohol imbibing nicotine and eating food for fun <laughs> for fun you know it'd be it'd be romantic they drove cars yeah, they didn't just send shoot their disembodied spirit ghosts across the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the people that talk about transhumanism seem to have the, you're really, all right, we've all got a fear of death at some level. We can work towards being less afraid by seeing that it's natural, by seeing, well, you can only be here for so long and do so much. But what do people think they're going to do in this enhanced form for decades, centuries. Well, most people don't know what to do with their time already. They binge Netflix. What is the point of this much capacity and this much time when people use capacity and time so poorly already? Oh, but it's not about capacity and time. I mean, we've got, if we're going to, we can tune this thing however we want, like a Formula One pit crew, you know what I mean? It's just like, I, if it were me, I'd turn up the hard work because I'm incredibly lazy. I'd be like, hmm, I want to see what happens if I can do this creative project for six hours a day perfectly. You know what I mean? That's, that's the type of stuff that I'd like to fiddle with under the hood, just, as, just for starters. You'd imagine, so, though, that that would take the reward out of that end result, though, in some I just, sense. i just amplify the, the reward conditions at the end. Be like, uh, times 200% feeling of accomplishment. Yes. It kind of reminds me of an experience machine. Uh, a machine that you could effectively just construct a dream. You could have, in very much that Alan Watts way, if you, could, if you could dream anything you wanted to, 
I wonder what you would dream. So um, you know what Alan Watts is going to dream, a 19-year-old undergrad. Oh, no, probably, I don't know. It's It has to be Eastern, so maybe 72 virgins. <laughs> Sorry, Alan Watts fans. Like, <laughs> I know he had some big ideas, but the dude was creepy in the 60s. I mean, that's okay. We're allowed to judge him on the, the virtue of his <laughs> his thoughts. No, I just... Well, the thoughts are good. It's the creepiness I have a problem with. Yeah. It's colored the way that... I mean, I still love his voice. He just has this classic... Just the recordings of him are just very classic. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I think, I think it's an open question as to whether people would um, upload themselves or use the experience machine. If they could construct their own experiences, it's... It's not clear whether people would or not. And, and, and I think this is something we discussed in our philosophy classes, which is that over time, the philosophy professors at Adelaide have seen a shift and that it used to be like 90% of, you know, more than 90% of people would say they, they wouldn't use the experience machine. And over the last 15 years, 20 years, it's shifted to about 50-50 that some people or you know half of you know half of the people would opt in to using this experience machine and so what does it what does it do so it gives you fake memories of the past? effectively yeah yeah you can experience anything that you would want in uh, the machine you, without actually doing it yeah. can you learn yeah. things like the can you experience can you experience 5000 hours of piano practice it it works in real time oh. Mm. So you lose the time you're in it. Okay. Uh, sorry, I still have to practice the piano? Uh, but okay. that seems the thing to me, like the experience machine to do the most dangerous things you want to try. Oh, okay. Sounds awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Like I can imagine enjoying it for Saturday morning, you know, jump off a cliff and, you know, dive into the ocean and see how, you know, deep you can free dive having jumped off the cliff. I would much rather do that in the experience machine than in reality where any mistake could kill me. Mm. Now, I'd, I'd still happily do the training, learn to hold my breath, all that kind of stuff. So the experience machine experience was a genuine experience of you have some idea how to do this properly and the experience won't let you die in the experience. So it's a simulator for you. It's, it's like a, it's almost, it's a tool. Mm. But for me, I would have gone and you know, learned to hold my breath longer, learned to dive a bit. So that in the experience machine, I was using what I had and pushing its limits. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I wanted to continue with this, maybe I could go jump off a cliff, dive deep in the water and free dive. I would want it to be something that I added to something I was already interested in that helped me get to the next level more safely. So maybe I'm a very poor example of what to do with the experience machine. All right. So let's get down to brass tacks. Considering that this technology could be like, you know, a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand of years away, what is the likelihood that we are entities living through an experience machine right now? (laughs) 180 billion years in the future, stacked into huge stacks of uh, whatever our ancestors are. Not our ancestors, our... See, this is where I'll always go to Dale Jaquette. You know, philosophy talks about combinatorial ontology. And that is if the three of us can describe something together and agree on all the characteristics, it's real enough for us to go, whatever we're in, it's real because it's shared. One of us kind of invented it because the other two understand it. And it's not a complete or entirely satisfactory answer, but it's satisfactory enough for me who doesn't want headaches over philosophical things that can't be solved. 
And it's better than Rene Descartes solution, isn't it? Yeah. See, in a sense, it's not, I think, therefore I am. It's I am and you are, and we together can describe the candle. Mm. And I would much rather, you know, Jaquette's combinatorial ontology, because if in doubt, go talk to someone who does things you can't predict and you can't make them behave the way you want. Because if they agree with you that something is the thing it is, and you can describe it and both agree on what you're describing, well, it's not perfect. So that's the thing with the experience machine. You know, in the experience machine, what kind of people do you encounter? Mm. Well, if you encounter other people with autonomy, so you're living in there with people and in a sense inside the experience machine becomes somewhere where we could do Joe quits combinatorial ontology. We go, well, hey, can we agree that this table is like this, that this coffee tastes like this? I would then not care if I was inside the experience machine or not. Because if you, I could you, get along people I thought were sentient and who were aware, that's all I've got here. So your, your problem would be if it was the Truman Show. Yeah. Isn't it funny how all of these like, just a, like, very popular culture films, Terminator, um, I'm thinking of one that was not very popular. Um, I mean, it was a blockbuster film, but not, just didn't do very well. Um, Bruce Willis in The Surrogates. I'm not sure if you've seen or heard of that. It was like, basically, you you, you sit in a, in a chair and you can adopt this like perfect, very able robot body. Ah, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I think I might have seen that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, awesome. and then there's this whole little hippie society who think it's you know, natural and it's, there's tension there. But yeah, but like um, in order to carbon, the people who want to live and die once. Yeah. They don't want their consciousness in a stack, and they don't want their bodies modified. Yes. They want to be as in life as they can be for the short period. So they live intensely. And that's one of the wonderful things in Altered Carbon of what they call the Methuselahs. The people who have got the money that each time they put their consciousness into a new body, it's another clone that is, you know, at an age where they look fabulous. Mm. So they keep putting themselves back in a fabulous body. And most of the Methuselahs in Altered Carbon are pretty weird dudes and dudettes because life's lost any thrill. Yeah, right. All they do is protect their wealth, protect their status, make sure they have the power to do what they like. And their elections get gradually stranger and stranger because everything gradually becomes boring. I just find it so fascinating that there are these ideas that are embedded in, in things like Altered Carbon or Terminator or whatever the whatever it is. And you kind of you kind of when you're watching them, you do have these thoughts, but but because because of this entertainment, you don't quite put yourself in them and the way that you do when we have a conversation like this where it's more hypothetical and you're not imagining it because of a particular story you're you're just you're just putting yourself in the situation Mm -hmm. and then how 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 engaging those those ideas are and how common they are in science fiction is is Mm -hmm. just is truly truly awesome i think because people have seen this this coming for a long long time and it, it is just, it's one of my favorite mental exercises. It's always something that I had hoped would be around when I was young enough to experience it. Because I think it would be a hell of a thing. You imagine, you'd imagine that it would be something akin to a psychedelic experience mm. in that you would lose, uh, you would lose a, your familiar earthly frame of reference and it would quickly devolve into something that was this quite more immediate. I'm not sure exactly how to describe it. Yeah, it would be it would be something which would be beyond our current state of um, of consciousness, which I think is the most phenomenally exciting idea. 
for all the fears of our consciousness being hacked, more is just so interesting. Oh. I always come back to the same thing of my feeling is if you can be super enhanced, there needs to be you know, a clearer time limit. If you only want minimal modification, you can have more time to see what you can do with that minimal modification. So I almost want sort of some sort of sliding scale. The more modified you are, the less extra time you get, the less modified you are, the more time you, you know, you can have technology that buys you time. So you can either have time or enhancement, cool. but not both. Mm, cool. Cause that way people have to take responsibility for what they pick and they have to have a why. The thing that scares me most about this technology is not the technology of being hacked, but people who don't have a why and get freaky because they didn't have a why when they started and are now super enhanced. Because mm. people without a why end up doing weird shit. But, that may, but it's like, that's, that's what's terrifying about it. You know, there are certain things that are, you know, um, let's talk about a, a priori concepts, there are, which means, I mean, uh, if I butcher this, I apologize. It's something like, before experience these are things that are innate to the animal almost there are certain things that are a priori to ants certain things that are a priori to you know fish and cats and there are certain things that are a priori to human beings things that normal developed minds or developing minds can comprehend that you would look at, let's say, smaller brains, brains that haven't had an evolutionary history and, and, and imagine that they would not have. What I'm curious about are what are the common sense intuitive things that we will discover once we expand our consciousness. Once we have a, a, something that is twice as powerful as the current human mind, what are the things that are, duh, one plus one equals two to minds like that? And, and that's wow. the... Well, that's the frightening thing. That's what I'm scared of. I'm scared that there will be, I'm worried that our best moral impulses are an evolutionary kind of side shoot or accident. It's some kind of group maintenance method that's helped populations survive better. And that if we were to enhance our minds that we might surpass some kind of safeguard in our in our psychology that that's one of my fears i don't necessarily know that more powerful minds are going to find more peaceful ideas a priori sensible i'm worried that it might There's go no the other reason way. to think that any technology guarantees a better more peaceful outcome right because Whoa. at the end of the day our unconscious is still doing whatever it does and we go into this technology at least for a while with the experiences we've had. Then we get to the even crazier point of eventually we get to the point of going, well, this baby's about to be born. How soon after or how soon before it's born do the enhancements begin? Cause it's never known anything, but more, more is just normal. Yeah. Until it looks at everything before it and goes, Oh, that's quaint. And who can tell it what the social standards are or the moral standards or who still says that there will be a, a deep unconscious desire to be socially connected and reasonably empathetic yeah. if it doesn't need to be, and it's not getting positive reinforcement from other beings it values. I mean, like one of my favorite uh, philosophical kind of ideas or melodramas is the idea of, you know, I used to be a very kind of uh, very outspoken atheist you know, red Nietzsche didn't really understand it. Richard one of Dawkins the, type. 
Richard Dawkins type of person. And, and you know, like he's, Richard Dawkins has done an amazing job in, in, in his field. But, but I think the interesting thing about Nietzsche's commentary on God is talking about how the concept of God used to be a, and, and look, these issues are multiply determined. This might not even be, be relevant. It just shines to me that there's something to do with our liberal democratic idea that everybody is imbued with meaning and deserves to be protected. And the idea of God imbuing every human being with a shred of the divine. I think there's a link there. And I think what partly what Nietzsche was talking about is, is kicking that support away with the death of God. And that, that might be what partly what he means by the line that we will never be able to wash our hands free of the blood. I'm worried that, that if we enhance ourselves, we'll kind of progress so far beyond even that issue. Because we're kind of hanging it on because we all, we all know that it's a pretty fantastic idea when everybody in a society is well looked after because, you know, what happens to the least of us can often happen to uh, a lot of people in any system. Yeah. Rules but, veil of ignorance is mm-hmm. a beautiful thing when we mm-hmm. know what our world is like. But if you know, you know, with these skills that you are untouchable, why mm-hmm. care? Shit. Yeah. That's where to me it gets Freaky. So, you know, we'll jump to older carbon because it's something, you know, the audience will probably start through. Now, Kovach keeps getting put into massively enhanced military spec bodies with all his history of violence and trauma and then the capacity to do so much violence. Would he do anything but violence? To what extent do you, you know, carry your past but also because of the enhanced form you're in, that form doesn't need to worry about basic shit. Hmm. That form just plows through other entities who you don't care about because, you know, they're not in your time. They're not in your space. They're not connected to you in any meaningful way. So this idea that, you know, in the technium, everything will be connected and everything will understand the connection. Well, the great thing about being a human, not a machine, unless we modify ourselves and lose our sense of self, is our self can be very selfish and very effectively disconnected from anything we don't find interesting. Powerful for those single-minded people who want to achieve something amazing. Powerful for great art, powerful for great feats of endurance. But plus technology and boredom? Would Kovach be in any way a moral or honourable you know, entity after so many centuries? Of gratuitous violence and trauma, mm. or would 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 if 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 we were to achieve something like this, would our emotional capacity be right. extended as well? Would we be able to to feel emotions that are be beyond the narrow bandwidth of our? Who we mandate greater <laughs> empathy. Look, I mean, this would have to this would have to occur in a in a sequence. You know, the first things would be medical applications. Yep. Those medical applications would have kind of um, subsequent emotional disbalances that would be worked out. Eventually, you'd get commercial kind of application, as in um, what would you call it, uh, recreational Body application. You know, there would be bugs and terrible scandals and everything. But eventually, you would imagine bit by bit, we would work up a system where we're able to modify our brain or modify the system to not, uh, to not be incompatible with, our, with a healthy functioning brain that doesn't 
get all types of weird sci-fi problems. Or the world it lives in. Yeah. So whoever's running the system when this happens probably defines the limiters on how far we can go before the limiter kicks in. Mm. But then there's always going to be someone who will hack the limiters. Now, if a few people, that might not be the end of the world because a lot of us are fewer them. But yeah, it, it seems there's just so much variability in this. But I come back to the thing of why be afraid of the AI becoming self-aware when we are already self-aware and it means we can do such random odd shit. Now, some of that's amazing. It's art. Some of it's beautiful. Some of it is profoundly good for other human beings. And all that is still likely to happen. But everything we do, it appears, would be magnified. And recorded in the sense that it would be codified put into algorithms well that's the thing that the transhuman things you know is beyond human yeah but you know our brain is still the most complicated thing in the universe by a long margin that yeah. we are aware of yeah so yeah really messing with our brain seems to be a lot of steps later like my thought is that they will be able to maintain brain health you know make the brain keep remembering what it's learned, make it learn yes. faster that we will get our brain, but faster learning, good at remembering, able to maintain mood and not be affected by whether you're hungry or annoyed as much. Mm. So we'll get a more self-regulated, faster learning, mm. good memory version of us and more time. Mm-hmm. So I think the first test of all this is with a brain that can keep functioning well, what do we do with more time? That will be the first thing of this. And also with access to everything and anything very easily, because we'll have digital interfaces to just go have the knowledge and pump it straight to our unconscious. So we don't have to think about it. Our unconscious can just give us the answer. So if we can just go, well, what's this quote from G more? Blah, 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 blah. It's just there. Now, does that take the joy out of it? Or does it mean we get into the argument deeper and, and get better answers because it's the three of us? using our modifications in the same way we do now because it's still essentially us. So long as it's not hackable. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why to me it's about, at least for the foreseeable future, Mm. giving the brain things to be healthier, longer lasting, faster learning, easier access. But any of those things could stop and the brain would still be the brain it is. Actually, you know what? I, I, you know, I, I know I kind of said this at the start and I thought that this was terrible. Mm. Um, but I can imagine a situation where you would have like a body mechanic, basically a doctor, right? But, mm. but that, that your body was run more like a machine and that your heart was kept within certain confines and, and, and temperatures and monitored in ways that peak. it's, it's yep. like it's serviceable. That, mm-hmm that you could come in and get a checkup when you like yeah. you would notice things that have that have gone out of order that would keep your body yeah. in good nick for a longer amount of time. Yeah, Tim, we've 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 ta- we've looked at your blood tests, we've looked at your genetic code here and it seems like there might be a slight problem in your heart there. So, in another 30 years, that sucker would cause you some real trouble. So, I tell you what we'll do. We'll give you this injection here, just roll up your sleeve. There you go. Okay. And now your new heart is going to form out of your old heart automatically over the next 32 to 50 hours. Now you're going to have to eat lots of things like Doritos. 
and say, that's the future. That's a doctor's visit. That'd be amazing. Cool. Again, would we even need to go or would the onboard sensors have already ordered it to be done while we're asleep. But then I don't get to do my doctor's accent. But yes, that's exactly. Yeah, some hey, kind on. of. We, we, want, yeah, we want you running the prison infirmary. Yeah, some kind of dynamic, <laughs> dynamic uh, uh, restoration um, system. I mean, you know, who knows, who knows what will happen even if we can figure out how to stop our telomeres from, uh, from shortening. I, I don't need well, to. Well, that would be that a, you know, one of the things you would figure that this would be. Again, transhuman initially will make us more human, I think, in the early phases. Mm. Well, no, I think there'll be two streams. I think there will always be two streams. There mm, are those that's... for being human is uncomfortable mm. and they've not really made peace with it, who will want to be as machine-like, clean, precise as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think there will be people who want to be the most, the most you know, human of them. Yeah, they want to be the most human version of themselves. It's like David idealized, but you know, still very much David is, I think, what I would want to be. Mm. I would, I mean, I, I would like ultimately to exist in a situation where I had full, full and seamless access to, let's say, some kind of shared digital world, but also the usage of my own body, even though it would be redundant, but just as an artistic enterprise, I think that would be interesting to just have it kicking around. You know what I mean? Just doing stuff and inhabiting both worlds at the same time. I think that would be, I think that would be interesting. And this is where that question comes in that again, things like altered carbon cover so well, what happens once or assuming we ever get to the point of being off earth and spread throughout the galaxy and distance becomes a problem. So the idea that that digital version of you could go off and do whatever it needs to do somewhere else, while your body just has a you know, 300 year nap here on earth. So eventually the consciousness, you know, just free roaming in whatever device allows you to be you where you are. Now it might be that the, you know, the composite being, you know, that you rent you know, is quickly modified to look like you. So you beam in, it's you. When you hand it back at the end, it goes back in the tank. You know, a couple of days later, it looks like the next person who's beaming in and needs a body that looks like them. that we stay wanting to look like us in different environments. To be digital when we need, but to be able to return to the physical for a sense of being grounded. I easily get very nihilistic about some of this digital access, I guess, infrastructure. Sometimes it just weirds me the hell out that I just sit in front of a computer, which is just this kind of non-physical you know, like I interact with this non-physical structure that, you know, the internet was invented, you know, whatever, 40 years ago. And, and that, and that, you know, everything. Well, okay. So 30 years ago. And, and that, so this digital space is like, it's, it's, it's a completely non-physical and we, we, we don't need it. And that it, it is, it is so new, but also kind of so meaningless. Like it doesn't actually mean much in, in, in I guess in the final assessment when we mm. die. And yeah. I, 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 I find it really easy to get to a nihilistic place about that until I think about it as a means of connection. And, mm. and I guess if that were the ultimate kind of purpose and, 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 and mm. philosophy of the people looking into this technology and into, you know, 
the the transhuman project, let's say, then then that makes me a lot more comfortable. But I guess I guess the arbitrary kind of upgrade, just yeah, I I, I find not very attractive. What I would love to do is I would love to be able to connect two people's minds, or I'll just say my mind to somebody else, and to have a system run through and cross check which topics that we would both be willing to share with the other in their full remembered intensity and have run through a mutual check of all those and then to give the other person those experiences in some kind of distilled form. I think that would be a fascinating way to get to know somebody. Wow. I mean, it, it would be a way of getting to know somebody that's never existed before. So, you know. And genuine empathy because you were there. And, and, and genuine empathy because wow. you feel it like you were there. And if you imagine that, and this is what really gets me, if you had that running on uh, some kind of international system where people are only doing it with their friends, their lovers, their families, whatever, and they're, oh, my God, mum, I never knew you felt that way. That's so terrible. But, you know, you know, oh, well, it's just amazing that you've recognized it, yada, yada. And if everyone just did that with people in their local group, it would quickly consolidate until everybody who's ever picked up a gun felt firsthand the pain of losing a loved one to a gun accident. And that would happen with this type of system remarkably quickly. Yeah. Cause of five degrees of separation. It's not like we're mandating this must happen. No, no, you would have it's it simply through sharing. We exactly. would bridge the billions yeah. Rem- and the- genuinely get empathy. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the thing of transhumanism, but with no loss of humanity seems to be what we'll keep circling back to. We don't want to lose humanity in becoming more than we are. You know, I've, I've been deaf since birth in my left ear. It's the, the, the hairs on the inner ear that detect the vibration of sound grew flat to the bone. And so I can't hear it all. Maybe 1% of hearing in my left ear. I was talking with my mum about this the other day and she was talking about her uh, diabetes that she's lived with for oh, gosh 50 50 years now 60 years and and i was saying you know even if i could get my hearing back immediately i don't know if i would this is to say without a way to fix the shock to my brain of having an ear that works i i think it would be incredibly disruptive you know, uh, if I was listening to somebody in the car who I didn't want to listen to, I couldn't just wind down the window and get the wind hitting my good ear. You know, I couldn't lie on the pillow on my good ear and get a beautiful sleep, even though there are trains going past outside. I think I would find it really aggravating. And 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 in a weird way, and even my mum saying, you know, I wouldn't necessarily cure my diabetes at this point. She's She's 75, but she wouldn't even necessarily cure her diabetes at this point. We both came back to the idea and you might, maybe one of you might be able to remember what it is. Something, some bit of Eastern philosophy saying that the empty space in the middle of a cup is the cup. It's what makes the cup. And in a way I would be hesitant to get rid of my disability at this point, because for me at least, and I can only speak for myself, it's, a part of myself that I appreciate. It's part of the individual story of the unfortunate things which characterize me as myself um, in the tragedy of life. And, and I have a kind of romantic attachment to it. 
just thought I'd chuck that in um, just to um, moderate how pro-transhumanism I've been this whole episode. So it's interesting. I suppose I have conflicting feelings about it. Yeah, that, that's really interesting because from my perspective, again, all the same things, if my eyeballs could be replaced or you know, modified or you know, stem cell, whatever we talk about to make them work again, the relearning is huge. But also, you can just shut your eyes if you need to, to remember what it's like to be different, mm. you know, to go back to what had been former. So I think the interesting thing is, because in my case, I think I could remind myself of where I came from and how I got there and how I learned just by shutting my eyes for a minute. I don't know whether I would once I got used to having eyes that worked, and I expect I would change a lot. And, you know, with my competitiveness and my ability to get bored, maybe I wouldn't be as nice as David with eyes that worked. You know, not arguing I'm particularly nice now, you know, more so than just normal human nice. But well, I just, think you are. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, how much would it change is my point. Yeah, right. Anyway, thanks for the compliment there, Tim. But, yeah, it's that thing of, yeah, you go, even if there's a gain, this part of being human the sense of self that is a consequence of all the experiences and if the experience is going to change so radically could changing experience make you lose what you value most about the the non-physical bit of yourself the who you've become so we've talked about the why in this question a bit but there's also how does it affect the who why would you want the enhancement who are you now and what do you think you could lose of that who by changing yourself? Slightly ta tangential. But I got thinking while you were talking about perhaps why exactly it is that you are nice, David. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. However, I know that you have an appreciation for how easy it is for each and every one of us to make others' lives easy and nicer. And that there is a bit of self motivation in there so that it, you know if a smile is infectious that it will come around back to me yeah. but equally that you're never going to know when that when that karma and that smile that you put out into the world does come back to you if at all so it, it is it is simultaneously there is self-interest and also just in some sense faith and, and, and maybe even a lack of care as, as to whether it does or not, that, that at least you kind of leave a positive mark. And we kind of talked about it before, uh, earlier in the episode, when we were discussing if our enhanced selves would hold back or, or care about others when we're not limited by our own abilities anymore, whether there would be any kind of cooperation. But... I think it's enough that we know that it might come back around to us. I think it's enough that like of that's, that is a good enough reason to do it. Um, and it's a, it's a good enough quality in humans. Like even if it is slightly self-motivated, that is, it still works. It's that whole thing that altruism, you know, is a selfish thing in Dawkins. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's still awesome. Yeah. It's exactly and that's the point we keep coming back it's to still here awesome. that we want our humanity to keep being there no matter how much we change 
Mm. Now, it could be, you know, it could be that it becomes even more humanity. But we certainly don't want less. Mm. So the one limiting factor on this seems to be if it's going to reduce our humanity by design or by accident. That's the real fear. Gentlemen, I think we should end it there. Thank you very much for talking with me this evening. Um, it's been a wild ride. I've enjoyed this a lot. Thank you, uh, Peter, for your enthusiasm, but also your kind of caveat at the end there. <laughs> mm, oh, no, it's been an absolute hoot. This is one of my favorite topics, so it's been a pleasure to talk to you both. And thank you, David. Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you, audience, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe and like our Facebook page. Search for Blind Insights with David Olney. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the OzCast Network. Peace out.